What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. PSM is in full swing now. Uh, we basically got everything kind of moving here. Uh, so you're seeing a little bit less of Sean and I every week, but a little bit more of everybody else. Uh, so as we get things figured out, make sure you're checking out the rest of the channels on Pick Swap Media. And it is me with my host here, Sean Bernard. Sean, how you doing, brother? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, NBA finals coming, draft season. It's like my Christmas coming up. So I'm getting excited for everything. We're going to get more into that next time. But I've been deep in my research all day. And uh, even with the Sixers offseason, there's something nice about the offseason in terms of just having a little bit of a clean slate, looking at everything. So I'm in a good good mental space right now. Yeah, I think I think we both are. I think we both yeah. kind of turned a corner over the last week or so. Um but yeah, I feel like I feel like the farther removed from this season we're getting, the more it feels like it's not that bad, um, and that there are, there are ways out of this, um, and there's you know ways for the Sixers to improve coming up. So I, I feel like a little bit better. We're coming in on an exciting time of the year with the draft, uh, but we're also in the middle of the most exciting part of the year, which is the NBA Finals, which is a tied series one to one. The Celtics surprisingly took Game One. I feel like I was surprised, yeah. um, and then the Warriors came back. And kind of, uh, you know, beat them up a little bit last night in game two. You know, what are you seeing from that series right now? Yeah, game one, I was very impressed with the Celtics in terms of that fourth quarter, just flipping a switch that the Warriors didn't have up in the defensive intensity, being physical, using their length. They outscored them 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter, which was absolutely absurd. And uh, just did not, they went from the Warriors leading 12 heading into just blowing them out of the water. So just a dominant performance there. I was very impressed. I mean, you knew Golden State wasn't going down 0-2, so not a surprise to see them bounce back last night. Uh, it was an interesting game. I mean, Draymond's out there just playing full football, and he really does have, like, the most lenient technical whistle in the entire NBA, and pretty crazy what he gets away with. But at the same time, it's like the Warriors do need that, and he is a valuable part of their team, and he talks all about setting the energy. So it worked for him. I mean, Steph Curry is, is still Steph Curry. Terrific game last night. Jordan Poole obviously popped off. Clay Thompson is not doing a lot. But uh, I don't know. They're still the Warriors. Uh, it's going to be a, a heavyweight series. I think this one is going the distance for sure. That would be fun. I think that's kind of what we're all hoping for. It feels like a little bit of like a dystopian NBA Finals. Like kind of a, a lack of interest. Uh, I'm over the Warriors type of Western Conference. I feel like a lot of people, you know, outside of the Warriors bubble is not are not rooting for them. Um, and then, you know, for us, obviously, seeing the Celtics in the finals is sickening as is, but the thought of them winning is even more so. So it's been like, I mean, obviously, obviously, we're rooting for the Warriors. I'm rooting for the yeah. Warriors, you know, every night. But it's like, it's a weird feeling because I'm kind of just like out of it. I kind of just don't feel like I care enough, like about the series because I don't feel like I want to see either of them win. Like, I don't know if I'm making sense, but. Yeah, no, I got you. I, I do feel like I, I hate this Celtics team less than like a typical Celtics team yeah. to some extent. Like, I mean, obviously they have. They didn't, beat, they didn't beat the Sixers. And I feel like that's why. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that helps for sure. And just like like Jalen Brown, I like they have Grant Williams, I yeah. love Robert Williams. They have some guys that I, I do genuinely like a lot of cool players on the roster. And then for the, the Warriors perspective, I honestly am rooting for the Warriors pretty hard just in regards to like I know everybody's like sick of them winning, but I think they get a, a bad rap because of the whole Kevin Durant situation. Like I think that devalues like the championship they won before and what a great team they were before Kevin Durant. And I think this would kind of be like a solidifying ring for them in terms of legacy. When you talk about Steph Curry and all, all this, like they really were a legitimate top tier team prior to Kevin Durant, and that should not get lost in kind of all the translation. And I think like it kind of does sometimes because of all. Obviously, Kevin Durant is who he is, but like it would be nice for them to win another one without him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying it's. I want them like, I don't know. Steph Curry having four rings like to me feels wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I mean. You've seen a lot of good things from them, like a bounce back game after game one. But like, you know, the Celtics and Draymond said this after game one, like basically saying Smart and Al Horford combined for what, yeah. 44 points. And then last night they, they combined for four. Um, so it was like, those are the games that happen. Um, they got punched in the mouth. They had a couple extra days off. I do agree with you, though. This Boston team is like weirdly less hateable than normal. Yeah, I think. Let me hear. Let me get your take on this because you know I've been seeing this a little bit all over, like the Jason Tatum and like Kobe things. Is that corny? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is I my think it is. Answer. Like it was like okay for a little bit, right? Like the first or second time, I was like, all right, that's you know whatever. But to like see, text his number and then like, did you see the profile pic today? Yeah, the profile picture. Yeah. Like people saying, and I don't know if this is true, but like the shirt and shorts that he wore, like to the like to their practice yesterday, was like apparently exactly the same thing that kobe worked out in when he worked out for the celtics before the draft like okay like we get it dude like i always just yeah. get a kick out of the fact that people like praise kobe fans as if like 80 percent of the people under the age of 40 were like massive kobe fans so like yeah. i don't i don't get it yeah i mean tatum's definitely a kobe guy has talked about it openly throughout i do think it's like he's he's certainly like doubling and tripling down on all all of it but uh i don't know much. You do it, yeah, doing too much, but you do what you got to do. Whatever helps you motivated, I guess. But I don't know. He he bounced back last night as well. Uh, after no, I I don't even want to say a bad game one because he's definitely impacted the game in a ton of ways. I think he had 13 assists and a, a complete game. I thought he had a much better game last night, even though the plus minus he had the minus 36, which is the worst in NBA history in a, a finals game, which yeah. is crazy. But I really didn't think he played that bad, and I'll give him props for it. Yeah, he's been incredible this postseason. Um, you know, he's got. He's got a lot of names on the list now that he's beaten in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So he's kind of racking that up as well. Uh, obviously, with not, you know, nothing without Jalen Brown and the rest of them. Like that, uh, that team is, I enjoy their style of play as well. Um, I yeah. feel like defensive wise, seeing what they've been able to do and like making that their bread and butter is just something that you, I don't know if any of us really expected them to like hunker down as a really strong uh, unit defensively. Um, but that's what they've done and they've turned into like an incredible defensive team. Uh, shout out Ime Udoka, who was in the building just a few short years ago. So um, let's move on here. Uh, enough about the Celtics and more about the Sixers. So we're going to talk a lot about some free agency options today. Uh, Sean, you have a good list of, a, you know, 10 to 12 names. Uh, but first, we got to talk about the salary cap situation. So, you know, reel us all in here. Yeah, so obviously the biggest card that still has to fall with this is James Harden and whatever the contract shakes out to there. That's kind of the biggest factor. The NBA salary cap is set or is projected to be set at 122 million for next year and the luxury tax kicking in at 149 million. 
if the Sixers add the 23rd pick, they will get the full $10.3 million non-tax mid-level exception, $4.1 billion biannual exception, which would bring them up to $113 million with 14 players on roster. Uh, if the Harden opts in, they would lose some of that, which is kind of the big deal and why uh, they want a cheaper deal, basically, because you would go over that luxury tax line, which would shift the uh, the non-tax mid-level exception down to like $6 million. Uh, and just a couple alterations there. I'm trying my best to dive into this stuff. It really is very complicated. But essentially, the Sixers have a little bit of money to play with, but uh, are pretty strapped against the cap. So more or less, once Harden, whatever that contract comes in at is kind of the biggest factor, and we'll see where things shake out from there. But the bottom line is that they, they have more to play with than I kind of expected, I guess. Yeah, and so what you're saying is it's likely that they make that 23rd pick in order to increase the mid-level exception. So uh, yeah, I, I think the idea of trading it for a veteran, it doesn't work well in terms of cap basically is like, right. b- because of obviously how the contract, the thing that gets devalued with draft picks is obviously when you draft a player, you're thinking about like their long term and potential and everything that comes with like what that player can be. But it's also you have like a cost controlled player for multiple years. And like, like we're talking about Tyrese Maxey, who's obviously still on his rookie deal. You're getting like $20 million of production for like a three million dollar cap hit which is crazy and i think I'm, i forget what his exact cap hit is but the basically that's what i'm saying is like it's you you are getting that for that many controlled years you have that player which is like a major asset in long term and that's kind of why it's important to hit on rookies and guys that can contribute like that yeah and when you look at the teams around the league and like this is coming from me who i've kind of been like in the camp of i don't mind if they trade it and move to you know go get a guy that can contribute right away um understanding now that there is a big difference between the mid-level exception which they will likely use yeah uh in the free agency because it's a lot of money that they can allocate you know that's basically granted to them um and but now like when you look at it okay there's an increase in that salary that that's where your veteran player is going to go um and there's a big difference between six and ten million so like yeah knocking it down so that's going to be important keep that in note um you know going into this draft i think a lot of people out there are thinking um that the Sixers are going to trade this this pick uh but it seems like with that aspect you know keep that in mind because they'll probably end up making that pick which you know uh we're going to talk a lot about that later on uh mm-hmm. maybe next week we'll get we'll dive into that a little bit so to move into these free agents what's like before we go into name by name what have you looked at to kind of compile this list is it athletic wings like what did you base this off of, or is it just best available players out there for a good price yeah, I, I got a, a couple different positions in here, a little bit of everything. Uh, essentially, like I weeded out the the guys that I think are going to be out of their price range completely. Uh, right. This is more of kind of the, the bargain bin options, but all guys that I think would be guys that would make a difference and would be play some significant minutes on the Sixers team right away is pretty much what this list is. So okay. I'll go down kind of one by one. Just give me your level of interest, one to ten. We'll talk a little bit about each guy. All right, so to jump right in, I'm starting out with this Bruce Brown. Uh, last year, he averaged nine points a game, 4.8 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks. Listed at 6'4", he shot 40% from three last year on 1.3 attempts per game. You know what Bruce Brown brings. Uh, a guy that I personally like, what, what are your thoughts on Bruce Brown? So this is really contingent on whether or not Thibel is here. Um, if Thibel is on this roster, I don't think you can have a space for another guy uh, that mm-hmm. plays a similar role as Bruce Brown. Um you know, Thibel out of the picture, I would say my interest is probably like eight, uh, pretty high. Uh, I like Bruce Brown's game a lot. I like that he's, uh, you know, connected to James Harden and they've 
shown that they can play really well. It also gives them a really interesting aspect, um, you know, making their offense really diverse in the way that they can take and beat off the floor and do interesting things with Brown uh, in the pick and roll as a cutter, as kind of a pseudo big man, uh, a guy that can play, you know, a small ball four, and he's even played the small ball five at times. Um, so I like that aspect of it. Defensively, he makes up for whatever you're losing with Thibel, um and gives you a really strong defensive perimeter presence as well. So I like Brown a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably put him at a six in my mind. It's a great point about Thibel in terms of what that how that affects roster construction and they obviously overlap in some of what they do. Uh, I like Bruce Brown a lot. I, I think it would bring a very interesting aspect of versatility in this roster in a way that they, they don't have right now. And that flexibility with different lines with being able to go small. He's like a scrappy little tenacious guy. Uh, I yeah. love the way he competes. He just gets in the mix. He plays so much bigger than his size and really a guy who just reinvented himself and found a way to stick in this league, which I respect a ton uh, does his job, obviously has that relationship with Harden, like you said, and, I think he would be welcomed in Philly and fit very nicely. Yeah, I think to point out as well, like the fit in Philly, I think is perfect. Um, yeah. The city would love him. He's one of the guys, you know, hard hat kind of guy. Um, you've also seen, and you know, the Sixers have seen this firsthand, you know, one too many times. He is the type of player that like swings a ball game. Uh, the defensive plays that he makes, uh, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's a little bit similar to Thibault in the way that like he's a spark plug defensively. Um, he's that type of guy and when he scores it gives the team such a like boost because he's not an offensive caliber like a locked in offensive guy but i don't know i like his fit here obviously you know whether or not thibel's here is the question yeah totally agree uh the next guy i want to jump into i think the sixers will probably be priced out of this guy because i think he's going to have a ton of interest across the league but tyus jones he backup point guard for the memphis grizzlies last year super valuable role and obviously that incredibly impressive record without John Morant averaged 8.7 points per game 4.4 assists 2.4 rebounds and shot 39% from three on 2.8 attempts per game this year thoughts on Tyus yeah I like him a lot too it's it's uh I like the the theme you're going with here a little bit uh you know a grittier guy uh the dirty work kind of guy uh and a, a great a great backup point guard he's one of those guys um you know and you point out last year what the Grizzlies were able to do without John Morant take over coach on the floor type of guy, great leader, and just like a really quality defender offensive player. He makes the right play, smart point guard, great backup. I don't know. I like, I like Tyus a lot. I guess I would, again, what, what do you think he's going to get? If you think he's priced out of the Sixers range, what do you think he's going to get? I don't know. I think he's probably regarded as the best backup point guard in the league right now. I think there's a team mm -hmm. that would probably willing to be willing to give him like low end starter money. Probably. I, I could even, I think, there's a chance he gets above the 10 million dollar range which i i don't i think tyus is in an interesting spot right now where he looks amazing in the role that he's in and i think in a more expanded role that we could see some more weaknesses that he's able to hide right now but he is a very heady guy a very smart player a decent shooter and a guy that has a knack for kind of coming up clutch in the right times too so i i could see a team taking a chance on him for maybe more than he ends up being worth but i don't know he's a guy that i'm kind of unsure what the market exactly will be yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if he's at 10, like if you think that's the market for him, are you using that MLE on him or no? Probably not. I, I probably would rather space that out. I, I I do think it's important for the Sixers to add a backup point guard. I think they've lacked that. I think the, the George Hill trade, the idea behind that, I absolutely loved. Obviously, it did not work out with George Hill just 
did not really play well and just did not click with it. But that concept of having a guy that's like a, a veteran point guard, a guy that can come in, run a second unit, I think is very valuable and would be a great addition to this team. So that kind of category of player is something I would love. Tyus Jones might be a, a, a step above in pedigree above what the Sixers are looking for that, but that's pretty high on my, my checklist this offseason. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think it's something they've lacked and, there was the idea of that being Maxi, but he's clearly outgrown that idea very yeah. so quickly that, um, you know, and we see that he's not a point guard necessarily. And from a guy that like the, the backup point guard position is a guy that you want to have the ball in his hand, be a distributor, be a coach on the floor, you know, handle business the way that, you know, you see Tyus Jones and a bunch of other guys in that spot do. So I'm, I would definitely be intrigued by him. I wonder what, you know, the flyer is on him at this point. Yeah, yeah, be interesting to see. Uh, to move on to the next guy, Otto Porter, uh, 8.2 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.1 steals, shot 37% from three on 3.4 attempts per game. And obviously, we can still see what he's doing in the finals right now. Pretty, pretty relatively important rotational piece for this Warriors team. What are your thoughts on Otto? Yeah, I like Otto as well. I feel like I'm probably going to start off every guy like this. Um, but he again, he fits the bill of, of a guy that the Sixers need. Uh, lengthy wing, good defender, can space the floor, can get his own shot at times. Like off the bench, you gotta love a guy like Otto Porter because he's just gonna give you. And again, it's. I think this is these are the type of guys, and I, I'm really enjoying the list that you've made up so far because it's just guys that are solid. Um, yeah. The guys that are gonna do a good job every single night. You know, obviously Otto Porter is gonna have an off shooting night, but he's still gonna do the little things that he does. Um, he's still going to play good defense. He's still gonna be an athletic wing switchable like yeah. just guys that the Sixers do not have um so again they're probably gonna have to like what do you think his price has gone back up he's had a roller coaster a little bit of a career he's gone up and down at places but again having a really good year on a championship caliber team that price is going to shoot up a little bit as well so I'm I'm interested what he will go for as well yeah he has an interesting career former third overall pick a guy that has reinvented himself really with this this Warriors team and uh, I think it's cool, guys, that kind of accept their downfall a little bit and just become a master in a, a smaller role. I think that's super cool to watch. We're seeing a similar kind of theme with Andrew Wiggins with Golden State. Mm -hmm. But for Otto Porter specifically, like this, he's guy that's the highest on my list as far as Sixers interest so far. I'd probably mark him at an eight. Uh, just being switchable, a guy that can defend, is confident in shooting three-pointers. Uh, I, I think he just checks a lot of boxes that the Sixers need. And it's just, like you said, he's just solid. He's just going to do his job, do his thing. And uh, I think that's that wing position is still by far the biggest need. I think that's pretty obvious on the roster construction. Uh, there's a lot of ways that they can go about attacking it, but I think getting a guy on a minimum, which, which is what he's playing for this year. Uh, I think in that range would be terrific. And it, like you said, he probably bumped up his value this year, probably for sure did. So it'll be interesting to see how much that increases. But if you had a chance at auto Porter, I think you do it. Yeah, I think so too. And again, we're talking about, He's a guy that can slide in and out of the starting lineup, can give you nights. Uh, he can play a three or a four. Like th these are, we're talking about a mold of player that the Sixers just do not have. Um, yeah. So I, I like that idea uh, for him. Yeah, and another guy that fits the fits the mold quite well, and a guy that we've talked about a lot, PJ Tucker. Uh, first off, I found out PJ stands for Pops Junior today, which I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but for PJ specifically, averaged 7.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 2.1 assists, shot 41.5% from three. Another guy, six foot five, but plays way bigger than his size. Uh, Pat Riley, who had quite the press conference today, uh, spoke Man. about how he sees PJ as a long term part of the future of the franchise. Uh, so I'm, I don't know if he's going anywhere, but would you have interest in PJ Tucker if he was to hypothetically be an option? 
Yeah, I absolutely would. Um, shout out Kevin McCormick. He's been knocking on PJ Tucker's door for the last like three years. Um, but yeah, man, he's again a great relationship with with James Harden, uh, Daryl Morey as well. So you know, there's that connection. Um, so you wonder what's going through his mind. But again, a leader, vocal leader. He's the type of guy that the Sixers are missing. Um, he's gonna yell at people. He's gonna ruffle some feathers. He's gonna do what he's got to do. Maybe he'll even yell at Doc. I don't know, but you know, again, you know, a guy that can slide in and out of the starting lineup has done both, has come off the bench, has, you know, been a starter on championship caliber teams. We're looking at him with the heat this year. He was a major part of their uh, run this year, again, with the Rockets as well. And just all the years before uh, Milwaukee. So like defensively, he's going to give you a lot. He was guarding James Harden in that series. Like, so he can guard point guards, uh, you know, body up against those guys. He can play big. Again, another guy that can play the small ball five, so and spreads the floor. I don't know. He's he's exactly what the Sixers need. I think if you're gonna overspend on a guy, uh, PJ Tucker might be the guy to overspend on. Yeah, and I think he's a likely guy that Maury would be willing to, like you said, because of the history. Obviously, he was a guy that played the small ball center for the Rockets, who uh, is a prime version of that center around James Harden model of play. A guy that's perfectly content sitting in the corner, just shooting corner threes. I feel like I've never seen him miss a corner three. And we talk so much about like the Sixers needing like a dog. That's pretty much the definition of what PJ Tucker is. And uh, get in your face, competes his heart out. He's getting old. He's that that part worries me a little yeah. bit because. He's a guy that like looks old out there. Like when I was going down this list and looking at ages, like Wes Matthews is a guy we're gonna talk about in a little bit. Him being the same age as PJ Tucker, I would like I would have guessed PJ Tucker was like five years older. So that part does worry me a little bit. Uh, I also I don't know why if his name is Pops Junior, why does he not go by Pops Tucker? Because that's so much cooler in my mind. <laughs> I mean, I think it's actually just because he was I forget the story exactly, but it was like actually because he was like it, exactly like his granddad or something like that. So hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. Either way, we'll move on. Uh, another guy on my list, Kyle Anderson. Uh, 7.6 points Dude. per game, 5.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 33% three-point shooter. What do you think of Kyle Anderson? I love slow-mo. Really? He's, a, wow. he's a Bruin. That's my dog. That is my dog. I am so happy you brought him up. I've been calling for Kyle Anderson for a while now. Uh, I love that guy. I think he's fantastic. Um, you know, a Pops, uh, Greg Popovich disciple. So, you know, he's going to bring that type of energy. Uh, he's an interesting player and he can do a lot. Uh, he's played guard. Like, I think he came into the league and they considered him a point guard. I think he played like kind of a combo guard at UCLA. Uh, he's now obviously transitioned into being like a full three. The shooting form is concerning. I don't know what it is. It's slow. It's weird. But I love the way he plays basketball. He's a good creator secondary creator i like kyle anderson a lot yeah this is probably the guy i have the least amount of interest in on this list i'm not even gonna lie i love i'm i'm definitely biased but i love him i he might not only be the slowest basketball player in the nba but he might be like the slowest human being in the world just like the rate he goes about things like it takes him like days to drive the paint and i mean the production is there from a fit aspect like i can see it but there's something just like I'm, I'm normally like a like weird players. Like I like an interesting style like that, but it just doesn't quite do it for me. And when we talk about like the lack of athleticism on this roster, and I don't think he's like yeah. an unathletic guy, but the way he kind of goes about it, it just looks unathletic and just is not visually appealing in a way that I, I don't, I just don't think I'm on board with. You don't use the word explosive when talking about <laughs> Kyle Anderson. Uh, so not. I get you there, uh, but you do use smart, high IQ player uh, making the right play 
good good handle even though it's slow it is good uh secondary creator i love the way that he's able to match up with other guards and playmakers and he fits alongside them um I don't know. I like him coming off the bench, but uh, him and George Niang in the same second unit <laughs> might be the slowest yeah. combo of people in the entire NBA, and I mean that lovingly. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely not up there in the speed category, which is something the Sixers have been lacking. So I understand the lack of interest there. Yeah, for sure. Definitely an interesting uh, prospect, interesting player there. We'll be, we'll be, I'll be curious to see what kind of role he ends up with moving forward. Yeah. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, Markeith Morris. This is the the Morris brother from Miami. Uh, only played 17 games this year, obviously because of the the assault by Nikola Jokic, which I try and bring up as often as possible. Uh, in those 17 games, he averaged 7.6 points, 2.6 rebounds, 1.4 assists, and shot 33.3% from three on 2.3, 2.8 three-point attempts per game. What are your thoughts on Morris? Uh, sure. I think I'm I think I'm mildly interested like between a four and a five um i think you're bringing him in for culture reasons for place like not not what he's doing on the court um so if you can get him really cheap sure uh bring him in just to be a guy that's on the bench that's you know pushing tempo and changing you know the way that this team goes about things uh bringing a different type of energy uh i'm there for that i don't really care for him uh otherwise i don't know what his career looks like from here he did not play a lot uh, even when he came back so i mean obviously i hope for the best for him uh but he's from here he's kind of been like hinting at stuff on twitter i've seen yeah. uh, a little bit uh and a reunion seems like it could happen and i'm all for that type of energy being brought to this team i think it's necessary uh and if it's a mike scott type role um as long as he's cheaper than what mike scott was making i'm okay with that so if he's cheap bring him here but uh if he costs you know if he's making up more than two million dollars a year like i'm i'm good yeah i I like his brother a whole lot more than i like him i think marcus morris is yeah uh, a very impressive would be a terrific addition markeith yeah he's fine like kind of what you said like it's more of like a an attitude uh leadership uh just locker room kind of guy but i think he could be like a perfect kind of mike scott kind of guy in terms of like yeah. he has the toughness like you said a philly guy he he could bring a little bit and there is like an aspect of a like he didn't play a lot last year i have a hard time judging off last year but i think that could also be like looked at positively in terms of like a let's get him for a cheaper contract let's give him a clean slate he might be able to outperform what we just saw and i do think there's reason to believe that he could br- bring something to this team yeah, I think so too. And that's why I'm like, okay, if if the price range is, is reasonable, you can get him and bring him in. I think he will give you, you know, there's a lot there for him to give you, you know, personality-wise, what he is on and off the court. Um, but like, I just don't want to have to, like, I don't think, this is a weird way to put it, I feel like, but I don't want to pay, like, I don't want the Sixers to use as much money on him as he's probably worth. I would like if they're going to get him, I'd rather like get him on a cheaper deal because I don't know. There's bigger fish to fry with this Sixers offseason. Yeah, I think it's pretty likely he's a minimum guy at this point in his career, which veteran minimum. I don't even know what it's set at this year. 1.9, 2.1, somewhere around there, which for that price, like I'm I'm cool with bringing him on. So I'd be down with that. Uh, His position is also already taken. Like the backup power forward is handled at this point, really. Yeah, I do think he brings a different aspect of it. Like you're you're talking about Niang, right? Yeah. I like I think Morris is more capable of being like 
a small ball five, which Niang isn't, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think Morris also brings like a obviously like Niang can space the floor, but I think Morris has a little bit like more to him in terms of like he can play out of the post a little bit. Uh, he can he's comfortable sitting outside. Like I do think there would be aspects of versatility yeah. with the offense that like Niang as as much as I love him and as as great as he is in his role, like there's certainly limitations to his game that I don't feel Absolutely. the same way about Morris. Uh, to get back to a big man here, Andre Drummond. How would you feel about yes. the return of Andre Drummond? Pan, I love it. Um, it seems likely, doesn't it? I don't know. I so I it think it seems a little bit likely. Uh, he, it, you, you saw we put out on Twitter his post about like I'm the best to ever do it with a bunch of six year stats and that kind of thing. Uh, I think his mindset like going into this year was that like he's he took the minimum obviously last year. He wanted to perform his value or up his value and perform and get that long-term deal, get that big contract after. I think he liked being in Philly. Obviously the trade was a weird aspect during the things. I think going in, he planned for purely looking for a, a heavy deal after this offseason, but I do think he liked Philly. So I think there's a chance he could want to be back. Yeah. It feels like there's a little bit of that. Um, I don't know because so like, I feel like all right, if you're doing that, then you're using like somebody else, I guess. I mean, it's tough. You still have Reed. You're you're figuring out what yeah. he is. You're trying to, I hope at this point, you're trying to uh, improve on what Charles Bassey is. Um, but like, it's just tough right now because do you trust Andre Drummond in the playoffs more than you trust one of Paul Reed or, or Charles Bassey? You're kind of playing for that range now, right? So like, I don't know. Drummond was a fantastic backup. He would fit nicely next to James Harden. He does what... Harden would, you know, need him to do as a backup. He's a much better in-place starter um, than the other guys that had had to play in the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. I think again, if he's cheap, which if again, if he's going into this offseason thinking I'm getting a starter, like starters money, and I'm playing somewhere as a starter, then by all means, go ahead, go get your money uh, and play somewhere else. But like, you're not going to win a championship if he's a starter. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think I'm probably at like a two or a three on Andre Drummond coming back and kind of what you said about like obviously with Paul Reed and Charles Bassey. And like there's an aspect of me that it's like I like remembering Andre Drummond positively. Like I'm cool with like <laughs> we had the Andre Drummond experience that I'm happy he was here. He did his thing. He got out in time. Like I, I think there's an aspect of if he's around too long, like the, the tables might turn a little bit on kind of the feeling on him and uh, we didn't get to see him in the playoffs. He was not particularly good with Brooklyn. His rebounding numbers were down. He was exposed a little bit defensively. And those are all like concerns I have. And the prime thing I'm looking for in a backup center minutes, because you just have to survive those minutes basically. And that's been like why I've been hammering the Paul Reed table for so long. So uh, I, I think we continue with kind of what we got, keep the young guys a chance. And I, I just, I'm cool with letting the Andre Drummond experience and how it did. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, I don't know. I was joking with the 10. I don't actually need Andre Drummond <laughs> yeah. that bad. But I don't know. There's There are things that he did well. I think about the way that the Sixers had to deal with DeAndre Jordan as their backup center and, you know, the, the games that he had to play in and the out-rebounding in the playoffs that happened. I'm like, that does get shored up with Andre Drummond for the most part. Um, but again, I think it is a good point that, like, the same thing happened with Dwight Howard. Everyone was like, we love yeah. Dwight. He's awesome. He's fun. And then the playoffs came around. It was like, holy shit, this guy cannot play yeah exactly uh, he needs to not see the floor so that is a good point and maybe that's the right way to go i think there is kind of like there has to be a cutoff point here soon of like shit or get off the pot with these young guys um 
they're yeah. taking up a lot of roster space here with guys that are just not even seeing the floor. And maybe that's a change that needs to be made as a coaching staff because, you know, there is reluctance to play these guys from the head coach. We've seen that uh, time and time again. So maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Conversation for another day, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, to move on from the center position, two guys, we'll kind of lump these together, but the Martin brothers, Cody and Caleb Martin. Cody, of course, played for Charlotte, Caleb for Miami. Uh, pretty similar stat lines. Cody averaged 7.7 .7 points, 2.5 assists, 4 rebounds, 1.2 steals, shot 38.4% from three. Caleb was 9.2 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 1 steal, and was 41.3% from three. So do you want either Martin, one Martin, or no Martins? <laughs> um, maybe one. <laughs> Maybe one, Martin. Um, yeah, I think, again, we're talking about guys that uh, play a good role off the bench, solid wing defenders, good shooters, guys that can play in the playoffs and kind of just plug and play, right? You can you have a lineup with them. You can put them here or there or there or there, and they're going to fit yeah. in. They're going to play that role. Um, so I like that idea. I don't particularly like either of them. Um, really? Not a fan of, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know why I don't like them. Like they <laughs> were like not, not factors in college. Like they were, they were my Nevada. guys in college from, from Nevada. Yeah. I don't, I love them in college. I just did. I've been kind of just eh on them, but no. they honestly were much better in the league than I thought they were going to be. I was surprised that they, they are able to make careers uh, for themselves, but they did. And they, they've been very good. Um, and again, athletic, uh, guys that can get above the rim, which is nice. Uh, the Sixers don't have too many of those guys, which is an insane thing to say for uh, an NBA basketball team. So, again, I like the idea. I like the, you know, the archetype of player that you're talking about here. Um, so if, Mar if either Martin is on the Sixers next year, I won't be upset by any means. I like what they bring. Again, it probably just accords to price at this point. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I'm a fan of both of them. I like them from Nevada. I like them. Uh, they were guys of mine coming out of college and have kind of proved themselves fairly fairly well so far in the league. Uh, one of them played for the minimum this year. One was slightly over, but under under three mil a year. Both pretty affordable contracts. If it's the same price range, I'm I'm cool with either one. Yep. Uh, I do think they fit. I mean, I think they're a pretty great rotational wing piece in the NBA. Just do their job. They have a splash of athleticism to them. They bring it. Defend. Guys that I like. So uh, personally, these are pretty close to the top of my list. I'll probably. I'll probably go seven for both these. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go seven for both these. I think I like Caleb slightly more than Cody, yeah. but they're pretty pretty How interchangeable. Tall? Uh, How tall are they? I believe like in the six seven range. I'm gonna look it up okay. as we're talking. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say because I feel like, I mean, two or three, they can definitely play the three. Yeah, I'm just trying to think five. of like fit six five. So Caleb. Caleb's listed at 6'5", Cody at 6'6", six, six, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but, uh, you know, one of those has got to be accurate. Yeah. All right. Well, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, we can deal with that. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, I guess, ideally a two, but two or three, yeah. they can make it work. Yeah. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, DJ Augustine, uh, 34 years old, 9.5 points per game. Uh, this is career stats, 9.5 points per game, 3.9 assists, 1.8 rebounds, 38.1% three-point shooter. Do you like DJ? No, I, I've got nothing for DJ Augustine. He's been, uh, he's a classic almost sixer. I yeah. feel like every trade deadline for the last four years has been like, let's go get DJ Augustine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he's a guy that goes somewhere else and you're like, damn it, they got DJ Augustine. And then it just doesn't matter because he's DJ Augustine. So like it actually doesn't matter. But 
um i don't know man he's a guy i like convinced myself i liked a few times and maybe four years ago i would have been like yeah let's go get him but small defensive liability a guy that literally gets hunted every single possession um defensively when you when you watch especially in the playoffs we've seen that um a vet so i get it good like a backup point guard veteran that's all good with me he'll have he'll win you a game uh and you'll love dj i've seen for like a week probably uh feels like trey burkish to me though uh but i don't know i'm I'm good on dj augustine personally yeah i've personally written probably three or four articles about trading for dj <laughs> yeah. augustine so i'm with you on that i mean he's a guy i feel like like you said like every trade deadline has been a, a target and almost coming here uh the george hill when we got george hill i remember specifically like banging the table saying how dj augustine needs to be the trade and we kind of got a, a dj augustine light if you even want to call george hill that but i, I don't <laughs> even know if, I don't even know who's done their deer in that comp there, but uh, <laughs> Augustine, he's 5'11", a little bit undersized. I like the aspect of like a guy who's been around. No, like There hasn't been like an NBA situation that he's not familiar with at this point. He's been everywhere, done everything. So I would like having around more of a regular season addition than a playoff addition, which I think is something that does need to be kept in mind when you're building it. But I put my level of interest in like a, a five for DJ Augustine. Cool. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, Wesley Matthews. 5.1 points per game, 1.9 rebounds, 0.7 assists, shot 33.8% from three on 3.2, uh, three-point attempts a game, 35 years old. What do you think of Wes Matthews? The three-point percentage is a bit lower than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. You know, off the top of my head, it's like I've never seen Wesley Matthews miss. So <laughs> I'm like, of course, he's probably shoots 50%, but I like him defensively. Uh, yeah. I think it was Jackson Frank that put out a little thread of him. Uh Wesley Matthews uh, defensively and from clips from this season uh, and just very, very solid. Uh, yeah. Did a lot perimeter wise, a lot on the smaller guards, which like I really like having that idea, um, you know, because as good as Matisse is defensively, we talk about this all the time. Like Matthews is more of like a dog, like get in your face, take up your space, uh, make you uncomfortable all the time uh, and just muscle you. I like that type of defender. Uh, the Sixers do not have one of those guys. And off the bench, you know, he's, again, another plug-and-play wing guy, uh, can space the floor. I kind of expected him to be, like I said, a little bit higher on the three-point percentage. Um, but when you got gravity like Joel Embiid and you got the passing ability like Harden, uh, I like the the idea that his will probably go up a little bit. And can, again, can start, can come off the bench, comfortable doing both. He's done both in his career. So I like that addition, uh, Wesley Matthews, again, and I don't think he'll be very expensive. Yeah, I would throw Wes Matthews at a nine in my mind. I yeah. think he'd be a, a pretty seamless fit on the Sixers team. Uh, like you said, he's a guy that gets in your grill. He's not afraid to chase guy around screens, do whatever, do whatever it takes to get through and uh, stick with a guy, just like a hard-nosed player, a guy that competes, does his job extremely well. I would love him on the Sixers. And like you kind of said about Matisse, like Matisse obviously makes these eye-popping like athletic plays and the blocks and steals, but he never is like a guy to like, bully an opponent and like physically impose himself upon a guy and that's what i like about wesley matthews and i I do think he would be like a terrific just addition to to the sixers team so for me he's pretty much right up there probably my top guy on across that we've talked about it's another thing like just rounding out this team i feel like that's a guy like when you're when you're thinking about re kind of reconstructing this roster um and a guy that need like uh like a pillar of your team is that really strong defensive three and D player off the bench? Like that's yeah. Wesley Wesley Matthews. So I like I like him there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the list of guys I got. One other guy I'll give a shout out to is Trevlin Queen, which I know he's a little, he was a, a G League standout for the Rockets franchise this year. A guy that I really kind of really like and would love if he's just floating out there to give a little minimum deal to. A guy that like will pick up multiple technical fouls, get in a guy's face, and he can, and he can hoop. So if there's like an open roster spot, we're just looking for somebody, give Trevlin Queen a chance. I, I don't expect to have a long discussion on him, but that's, yeah. that's kind of one of my guys that I would love to see come in here. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting maneuvers here. I think, I mean, that's what makes or breaks a championship team really is those kind of understated guys that can make, uh, you know, a difference, whether it's late in the regular season or early, like in the playoffs. Obviously, you know, when it comes down to this time of the year, it's the guys are being the guys. But, you know, throughout a season, I feel like those kind of under the radar guys make a huge difference. Um, and this is going to be a huge offseason for the Sixers. You know, they're going to probably make at least one or two of those deals with some of the free agents that we talked about, maybe some other people there's potentially a trade. My, I think my last question for you is, and this is something I've went back and forth about, especially since the doc presser uh, and Jaden Springer, what do you think for him this year? Like, does he have a role on this team? Because when you talk about defensive minded, a guy that is apparently from what, you know, from really what we've heard, we haven't seen too much, um, but is like a bulldog defensively. We'll get in your face. We'll take up your space and muscle you. He's built like a, a running back. Um, so just what do you what do you envision for him? Do you have any idea that he'll be kind of part of this rotation during the season? Uh, I sure hope so. I think he deserves a chance. I'm less confident that he actually gets it with Doc pulling the strings and making the calls. I mean, his skill set, I'm I'm a big time believer in Jaden Springer long term. Like he He's progressed quicker than I expected to like just looking at him, watching him a little bit with the blue coats, like he's added to his bag in terms of like, he's got a nice little pull up. He likes operating kind of around the free throw line and the, the elbows. He's got a couple of nice shots in there. His shooting forms improved a ton. He was a little rigid coming out of college and it looks much, much better after a year of professional basketball. Uh, he deserves a chance. Like at the minimum, we should be able to walk out of here after the season and like have an idea how far off it is or if he's ready. He's still 19 years old and still pretty freshly 19. So he's pretty much like younger or the same age as a lot of the rookies coming out of this going into this draft, which is something to keep in mind. But I like Jaden Springer a ton. I hope he gets some run. Uh, he he. He is, his defense is NBA ready. His offense has not been. If he's going to take a leap, and I know he's been working. There's a, a I saw a couple of clips of him working with a trainer already this offseason on some like off motion ball catch and shoot those kind of things. If he can get those down, like he absolutely deserves a spot in the the rotation. So I would love to see him. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's important for him to at least get some regular season minutes, and you know, hopefully early on, but to get get the ability, the chance to just play through some of the season to have, you know, that experience of the ups and downs of a reg NBA regular season. I think when you're talking about the long-term development of, you know, him as a player, but also this young core, like I think they're, and with the way their money, their strats for money this off season, depending obviously with Harden and everything, like I think it's really important for all those guys uh, this season to get a chance to prove themselves as, you know, a player that can play or, you know, one that needs a little bit more time. Uh, because I think that's, that'll change the way the Sixers go about this season. But again, we could talk about that. We got a long time uh, to talk about all these things with the draft upcoming, with free agency upcoming, and the end of the NBA season um, on the horizon. So, Sean, if you don't have anything else, we can close up shop here. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll dive into some draft content moving forward. There's a lot of guys around the Sixers' 23rd pick that I think fit their needs. A ton of like lengthy, athletic wings that are right in that range. So 
uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, EJ Liddell, Jalen Williams, Marshawn Beauchamp. Those are probably three names that have been talked about a lot. We'll dive into a couple other guys going forward, but we'll save that for next time. Yeah, and that'll be a fun episode. We'll get to uh, pick Sean's draft brain, his favorite time of the year. So that'll be fun for all of us. Um, until then, you can keep up with us. You can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. Follow me at Brain 17 You can follow the pod at PickSwap Pod. You can follow... You can follow the rest of the media group at PickSwap Media and their various uh, Twitter accounts. Make sure you're checking all of them out. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, BetUS, one of the leading sportsbook and casinos in the market. You can use our code PickSwap at login to get your first bet risk-free up to $500. Check out the YouTube. Get us anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify. And until next week, check out Sean's written work all over the place. Um, you know He's going on, what, two different sites now, three different sites now, uh, all over. So, so just keep up. It's coming at you quick. So uh, until next week, we'll talk to you guys soon.